0: and girls and welcome to another chapter of The King of Ireland's Son. Yesterday we heard just a really short chapter about Gilly of the Goatskin whom Mm -hmm. the King of Ireland's Son has just gone to for help. It seems as though Gilly of the Goatskin was raised by three evil hags with extremely long teeth. They kept Billy in a cradle for most of his life because he was so hideous looking and had a hunchback but it appears as though they also kept him in a cradle for most of his life because they were going to do some pretty evil things to him until at last one day gilly of the goatskin took his fate into his own hands and managed to destroy the hags and that boys and girls is where we left off I hope we find out how Gilly of the Goatskin is able to help the King of Ireland's son. So sit back, relax, get a cozy little spot, and listen to the next chapter of The King of Ireland's Son. He was out, as I have said in the width and height and length and breadth and gloom and gleam of the world. He fired arrows into the air. He leaped over ditches, he rolled down hillsides, he raced over level places, until he came to what surprised him more than all the things in the world, a river. He had never seen such water before, and he wondered to see it moving with its swiftness. Where is it going? said Gilly of the goatskin. Does it go on like that in the night as well as in the day? He ran by its side and shouted to the river. He saw a wide-winged bird flying across it. It was the bird that we all call the crane. And as Gilly watched the great winged thing, he saw that it held a little animal in its claws. Gilly fired an arrow and the crane dropped toward the ground. The little animal that was in its claws fell down. The crane rose up again and flew back across the river. The little animal that had been in the claws of the crane came to Gilly of the goatskin. It was smaller than the one-eyed cat that used to sit on the hearth of the hag of the house. It kept its head up and was very bold looking. Good morning, lad in the goatskin, it said to Gilly. "'You saved my life, and I am very thankful to you.' "'What are you?' said Gilly of the goatskin. "'I am a weasel. "'I am the boldest and bravest creature in the entire country. "'I'm the lion of these parts, I am. "'And,' said the weasel, "'I've never served anyone before, "'but I'll be your servant for a quarter of a year. "'Tell me what way you're going, and I'll go with you.' "'Well, I'm going the way he's going.' Gilly said, nodding toward the river, and I'll keep beside him till he wants to turn back. Oh, said the weasel. Then you'll have to go a long way. But I'll go with you no matter how far you go. The weasel walked by Gilly's side very bravely and very independently. Oh, look, said Gilly to the weasel. What is that that's in the water? The weasel looked and saw. A crystal egg in the shallows. It's an egg, said the weasel. I often eat one myself. I'll bring it up from the bottom to you. I'm really good at carrying eggs. The weasel went into the water and put his mouth to the egg and tried to lift it, but he could not move it. He tried to lift it with his paws as well as with his mouth, but this did not do either. He came up to the bank then and said to Gilly, You'll think I'm a poor sort of servant because I can't take an egg out of the water. But if I can't win one way, I'll win another. He went into the reeds by the river and he said, Hear me, frogs. There's a great army coming to take you out of the reeds and eat you red and raw. Then Gilly saw the queer frogs lifting up their heads. Oh, what will we do? What will we do? They cried to the weasel. There's only one thing to be done said the weasel. Gather up all the pebbles in the bed of the river and we'll make a big wall on the bank to defend you. So the frogs dove into the water at once and drug up the pebbles. Gilly and the weasel piled them on the bank. Then three frogs carried up the crystal egg. The weasel took it from them when they left it on the bank. Then he climbed a tree and cried out to the frogs. The army is frightened and running away. Oh, thank you, thank you, said the frogs. We'll never forget your goodness to us. Then they sat down in the marsh and told each other what a narrow escape they had all had. The weasel gave Gilly the crystal egg. It was heavy, and he carried it for a while in his hand. They went on. After a while, said Gilly of the goatskin, the night's coming on and the river shows no sign of turning back. I wish there was a nice place to shelter us no sooner did he say that word than he and the weasel found themselves standing before the open door of a nice little house they went inside a clear bright warm fire was burning on the hearth an armchair was before it and a bed was made at the other side of the fire well this is good said gilly and now i just wish we had something to eat well boys and girls No sooner did he say those words than a table appeared with bread and meat, fruit and wine, all upon it. Where do these fine things come from, I wonder, said Gilly of the goatskin. It is my belief, said the weasel, that all these things come to us on account of the egg you have in your hand. It must be a magic egg. Gilly of the Goatskin put the egg on the table and wished that he might see himself as he had seen himself in the river. Nothing appeared. Then he took the egg in his hand and wished again. And then there was a looking glass on the wall before him, and he saw himself in it better than he had seen himself in the river. Gilly of the Goatskin knew that he had only to hold the crystal egg in his hand and wish to get all he could think of. Gilly of the goatskin wished for wide windows in his house, and he got them. He wished for a light within when there was darkness without, and he got a silver lamp that burned until he wished to sleep. He wished for songs of birds, and he had a blackbird singing upon his half door, a lark over his chimney, a goldfinch and a green linnet within his window and a shy little wren in the evening, singing from the top of his dresser. Then he wished to hear the conversation of the beasts, and all the creatures of the fields and the wood and the mountaintop, and all of them came into his house. The hare used to come in early in the morning. He was always the first visitor, and he never remained very long. And always while he was there, he kept running up and down the house, and he generally ended his visit by jumping through an open window. The Martins, the beautiful wild cats of the woods, came in to see Gilly once. They were very proud and told him nothing. The little black rabbits were very much impressed by the Martins, and all the time the Martins were there, they stayed under the bed and chairs. Two or three times the king of the wood himself, the boar of the bristles and the long tusks came to see Gilly. He used to push open the door and then stand in the middle of the floor, grunting and groaning. Once he brought his wife with him, and six or seven of the little pigs that went running over the floor with their ears hanging over their eyes, they came with them too. The hedgehogs used to come, but they always made themselves disagreeable. They just laid down by the fire and snored, and when they woke up, they quarreled with each other. Everybody said that the hedgehog's children were very badly brought up and very badly provided for. The squirrels who were so clean and careful and so fond of their children thought the hedgehogs were very bad creatures indeed. It is just like them to have dirty sticky thorns around them instead of nice clean fur, said the squirrel's wife. But my dear, said the squirrel, every animal can't have fur. How well, she said, The rabbits have fur, though deer knows they're creatures of not much account. It's all just to let us see that there's some relation of the horrible, horrible boar that goes crashing and marching through the wood. The deer, they never came into the house, and Gilly had a shed made for them outside. They would come into it and stay there for many nights and days, and Gilly used to go out and talk with them. They knew about far countries and strange paths and passes, but they did not know so much about people and about the doings of other creatures as the fox did. The fox used to come in the evening and stay until nearly morning, whether Gilly fell asleep or kept awake. The fox was a very good talker. He used to lie down at the hearth with his paws stretched out and tell about this one and that one and what she said and what he did if the fox came to see you, and if he was in good humor for talking, you would stay up all night to listen to him. I know I should have. It was the fox who told Gilly what the crow of a kill did to Laheen the eagle. For she had stolen the crystal egg that Laheen was about to hatch. The crystal egg that the crane had left on a bare rock. It was the fox who told Gilly how the first cat came into the world. And it was the fox who told Gilly about the generations of the eel. All I say is that it is a pity the fox cannot be trusted. For a better one to talk and to tell a story, it would be hard to find. He was always picking up and eating things that had been left over. A potato roasting in the ashes, an apple left upon a plate, a piece of meat under a cover, Gilly did not grudge these things to Rory the fox, and he always left something in a bag for him to take home to the young foxes. Oh my goodness, boys and girls, I had nearly forgotten to tell you about Gilly's friend, the brave weasel. He had made a home for himself under the roof. Sometimes he would go away for a day or so, and he would never tell Gilly where he had been. When he was at home, he made himself the doorkeeper of of Gilly's house, if any of the creatures made themselves disagreeable by quarreling amongst each other or by being uncivil to Gilly, the weasel would just walk over to them and look them straight in the eyes. Then that creature would go away. Always the weasel had his held, held his head up, and if Gilly asked him for advice, he would say three words. Have no fear. One day, Gilly wanted to have a bunch of cherries with his dinner, and he went to find the crystal egg so that he might wish for it. But the crystal egg was not in the place he had left it. He called the weasel, and the two of them searched the entire house. The crystal egg was nowhere to be found. One of the creatures has stolen the egg, said the weasel. But whoever stole it, I will make them bring it back. I will soon find out who did it, I promise. The weasel walked up to every creature that came in, looked them straight in the eye and said, did you steal the crystal egg? But every creature that came in said, no little lion, I did not steal it. The next day they had examined every creature except for the fox. The fox had not been in the night before nor the night before that. He did not come in the evening. They missed the crystal egg nor the evening after that. That night the weasel said, as sure as there are teeth in my head the fox stole the crystal egg and as soon as there is light we'll search for him and make him give us back the egg. The weasel was right of course. It was Rory the fox who had stolen Gilly's crystal egg. One night just as he was leaving Gilly's house the moon shone full upon the crystal egg In the turn of a hand, Rory the fox had made a little spring and had taken the egg in his mouth. Then he slipped out by the door as quick and as quiet as a leaf blown in the wind. He couldn't help himself sealing the egg when the chance could come. He had a dream about it. You see, he dreamt that the egg had been hatched and that out of it had come the most toothsome bird that a fox had ever taken by the neck. He snapped his teeth in his sleep when he dreamt of it. The fox told his youngsters about the bird he had dreamt of, a bird as big as a goose and so fat on the neck and the breast that it could hardly stir from sitting. The youngsters too had smacked their lips and snapped their teeth, and every time he came home now, they used to say to him, Father, have you brought us that bird? No wonder that his eyes used to turn to the crystal egg when he sat in Gilly's house. And then, because the moon shone on it just as he was leaving, and because he knew that Gilly's back was turned, he could not keep himself from making a little spring and taking that egg softly into his mouth. The fox went amongst the dark, dark trees with the soft and ease trot that a fox does have. He knew well what he should do with the egg, for he had dreamt that it had been hatched by the spay woman's old rheumatic goose. This goose was called Old Mother Hatchy, and the fox had never carried her off because he knew she was always hatching out goslings for his table. He went through the trees and across the field toward the spay woman's house. The spay woman lived by telling people their fortunes and reading them their dreams. That is why she was called the spay woman. The people gave her goods for telling them their dreams and fortunes, and she left her fields and land and stock to whatever chanced. The fences of her fields were broken and rotted. The hens had been carried off by the fox all the time. Her goat had gone wild. She had neither ox nor donkey nor sheep nor pig. The fox went through her fence now as lightning would go through a gooseberry bush, and he came out before her barn there was a hole in the barn door and he went through that. And in the northwest corner of the barn, he saw Old Mother Hatchie sitting on a nest of straw and he knew that there was a clutch of eggs under her. She cackled when she saw the fox on the floor of the barn, but she never once stirred off her nest. Rory left what was in his mouth on the ground. Old Mother Hatchie put her head to one side and looked at the egg that was clear in the full moonlight. This egg, Mistress Hatchie, said Rory the fox, is from the henwife of the Queen of Ireland. The Queen asked the henwife to ask me to leave it with you. She thinks there is no bird in the whole world but yourself that is capable to hatch it and to rear the gosling that comes out of it. That's right, that's right, said Mother Hatchie. Put it here, put it here. She lifted her wing and the fox put the crystal egg into the brood nest. He went out of the barn, crossed the field, and went upst among the dark, dark trees. He went along slowly now, for he began to think that Gilly might find out who stole the crystal egg and be vexed with him. Then he thought of the weasel. The fox began to think he might be sorry for himself if the weasel was set on his track. So Rory did not go to Gilly's house the next night, nor the night after. And the third night, as he was going home from a ramble, the owl hooted at him. Why do you hoot at me, Big Moth? said the fox, stopping in his trot. He always called the owl Big Moth to pretend that he thought he wasn't a bird at all, but a moth. He made his pretense because he was annoyed that he could never get an owl to eat. "'Why do you hoot at me, Big Moth?' he said. "'The weasel's going to have your bones for his stepping stones "'and your blood for his morning dram,' said the owl bayfully "'as she went amongst the dark, dark trees. "'The fox stopped long enough to consider. "'Then he went to his burrow and told his youngsters "'they would have to move their house. "'He had them stirring at first light, and gave them each a frog for their breakfast and took them all the way across the country. They came to a burrow that old feller Badger had just left, and Rory the fox brought his youngsters into it and told them it would be their new home.